just going to read three verses of Scripture today and share what the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Paul said, always, shout always. Always be joyful. Never, shout never. Never stop praying. Be thankful, shout thankful. In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I want to preach a two-part sermon today, uh, and we'll finish up next Sunday talking to you about give thanks. And today I want to talk about focus. Uh, So if you will, pray with me and for me one more time. Father, thank you for your presence again. Thank you for every precious person assembled in this room. Uh, Lord, we thank you for those that would have joined us online, but they're not able to today. So I pray that you'd bless them. But for the next few moments, I pray, Lord, that you would remove every distraction and hindrance that would uh, prohibit us from hearing and receiving what you would speak to us today through your word. I pray you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive your word. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me and these lips of clay that I would not speak my words at all today or even with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that I would declare your word today and that your word would come forth in the demonstration of your spirit and with power. Lord, I pray that you would give us all. This is a different message today. I pray you'd let us leave here maybe with a revelation of what it looks like to actively give thanks in our lives. And I pray, Lord, we would leave here with a new outlook for this week as we uh, as we go through this Thanksgiving season this next week, Lord, that we would be mindful uh, to pause and to give you uh, and others the thanks and to give you the praise that you deserve. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do through your word today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Nicholas. The Word says that confession is an important part of our Christian walk. And when I was growing up, I would hear a lot, open confession is good for the soul. How many's heard that before, right? So we're going to have some open confession this morning. How many of you have already put up at least one Christmas tree at home? Let me see your hands. Wow, look at that. Now, how many of you, this is real confession, how many of you have already put up multiple trees at home? Let me see. Yeah, look at that. Um, So some of y'all in here even had them up before October 31st. Here's, I, you didn't have to raise your hand, but I saw one. Here's how I know. Some of y'all took pics of the kids while they was going trick-or-treating, and in the background was the Christmas tree. Now, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, it reminds me of um, this post I saw on Facebook a few years ago. I've not actually seen it this year, but uh, I took note of it and, and wrote it down, and I come across it in a sermon this week, and I was like, I'm going to use that again. Uh, it's this little meme that you see on Facebook, and it says, Note to all the premature Christmas decorators, calm down. Mary hasn't even told Joseph she's pregnant yet. And it, it seems to me in the last few years particularly that we... As a whole, due to the rush uh, of the stores to push Christmas earlier, I mean, I'm confused as to how many Black Fridays occur in one year. Can I get a witness? Like, Black Friday occurs all year long now, and, and there's like this push that if we're not careful, we literally just look over Thanksgiving. We go from fall and October straight to Christmas, and we don't even stop to think about Thanksgiving. So listen, it's okay if you already have your Christmas decorations up. You're good. Angie and I started a week ago on Friday because we like to do a lot, and that's just us. And, um, and she'd probably say, I like to do a lot. That may be true. Uh, but if we don't, we just discovered in our lives many years ago in the ministry, if we don't do it before Thanksgiving, uh, it becomes 
hard to get done, and it becomes stressful, and it shouldn't be a stressful season. Say amen, somebody. It should be a season that we try to enjoy. So whether you've already decorated or you still have decorating to do, I want us to pause for just a moment and at least slow down long enough over this next week to realize that as believers, we should be involved in thanksgiving. Now, I want to talk about that. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about uh, a holiday with turkeys and family get-togethers. That's good, and I love that. I'm not talking about eating until you're about to bust, but I'm going to do that on Thursday. Anybody else? And I'm certainly not talking about, I'm, now I don't do this one. If you do, it's fine. I'm just saying I don't. If you're going to shop like a crazy person all night long, not me. I'm going to bed and going to sleep. You can fight with those people if you want. But... Um, that's kind of the, the situation that we have today and a lot of what goes on. And if you do that, that's fine. But I want us to pause and look at and think about the fact that we should be, as believers, we should be thanksgivers. Now, I'm going to explain what that means in just a minute. But uh, this week I was going through, as I was praying, I was working in my home office and asking the Lord what He wanted me to share today, and I, I just began to read through. Uh, I always archive my sermons, and I went back and read through almost 10 years of Thanksgiving sermons, and I came across one that I preached about five years ago. I preached a message on the power of being thankful, and it was a good message, so good, in fact, I thought about preaching it again today because it was five years old. But uh, when I came across it this week, I realized that in that message, I read through it, and I told you that we as believers should be the most thankful people on the planet. Somebody say amen. amen. But in this season this year, I realized that I failed to tell you something in that message that I want to pause and, and talk about today, and that is that it isn't enough to just be thankful if we're not also giving thanks. There is a difference. I noticed that the word is thanksgiving. It's not thanksgiving. Are you with me? Could it be that it's really only authentic thanks if it is combined with giving. Now, before y'all get too nervous, I'm not necessarily talking about giving in relationship to money. Although I do believe, let me pause here and say this, if we are truly thankful to God, that we will give back what His Word instructs us to give back to Him. It's called a tithe. A tithe is one-tenth of whatever the Lord has blessed you with. But I'm not talking about your giving today in relationship to money. I'm just questioning whether it is really thanks if it isn't actually given, if it isn't actually expressed. If we don't give thanks, then we shouldn't call it thanksgiving. Why don't we just call it thanks thinking if we don't give it away? See, I'm convinced that there's really no benefits to being thankful if you don't actually give thanks. How would anybody else know that we are thankful if our thankfulness doesn't translate and spill over into words with us giving thanks to those people? So in this season that we're about to enter into this week, I want us to learn to actively give thanks. That's what we're going to talk about today. But I also want to get very specific because I believe for this to happen, we got to learn to focus our thanks. 
You know, this morning at 845, and this is kind of funny because if you remember, the last time that Angie, she's only done the call to worship a few times. The last time she did the call to worship, the snow machine went off. How many remembers that? This morning at 845, she did the call to worship. The computer crashed, the stage lights went out, and live stream went down. So, um, but anyway, all that happened at the beginning of the service, and you know what I noticed? I noticed that people's focus was on what was going on more so than the reason why we're here. Are you with me? I want us to focus our thanks because otherwise we have a tendency to say a lot of thank yous and toss around the word thanks without really expressing it or communicating it to people and to God in meaningful ways. Uh, so I want to suggest that there's two main focuses. This is all I'm going to talk about today, and I'll shift gears and do something next week. But two main focuses that we should direct our thanks toward, both of which are modeled for us in Scripture. And I'm going to share quite a bit of Scripture with you today, some that won't be on the screen. So if you want to write it down, get ready. Our thanks must have focus. First of all, the first person our thanks should focus on is God. I know it's obvious, you're like, well, that's, that's obvious, that we should give thanks to God. But it's concerning to me as a pastor sometimes. Is it all right if I preach to us this morning? Sometimes people like you to preach when it don't apply to them. And that's when they're like, amen, pastor. Praise the hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But when you step on their toes, they don't like it as much. Is it all right if I preach to us today? It's concerning to me that we not only have the ability to give thanks and we have the propensity to give thanks, but we come in to the presence of the God of the universe. We come into the presence of the one who not only created us, but saved us, lifted us out of that miry clay, placed our feet upon a rock. Can I get a witness? The one who provides for us. We enter into his presence and we practice keeping thanks more than we practice giving thanks. What are you talking about, Pastor? In his presence, we yawn. I see you. I'm up here. I'm looking right at you. Actually, that's contagious. I won't point out somebody just did that. I just I was faking it and it worked with somebody. We we daydream. Mm -hmm. We doze off. We distract others by things we do. Mm -hmm. Did anybody else grow up in the hold it church? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'd tell my mama I had to go to the bathroom and she said, hold it. That was free. It didn't cost you nothing. We get on Facebook. We get on Instagram. Some of us get on TikTok. Mm -hmm. While we're in his presence, we are disconnected from his presence. Are you with me? I'm going to throw this in free of charge. While you're having dinner with your family this week, could you just for one hour just go ahead and turn it off and put it away? Could you do that? We become disconnected. And here's another thing that we do. We get in his presence and we like to turn the attention to us. We get hung up on things that are a matter of personal preference. 
rather than things that are scriptural. Are you with me? We get hung up on, I don't like this or I don't like that. Guess what? I don't care. I'm not here because I love you and I'm glad you're here. But I didn't come here to lift you up. I came here to lift him up. Because he said if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. And that's what we'll see as long as we lift him up. We come into his presence and sometimes we close our mouth. We refuse to raise our hands or our heads. We keep our focus inward instead of outward and expressed on God. And you know what happens when we do that? This book says the rocks cry out in our place. Listen, I want to tell you, I said it at 845, so I owe it to you because I know we're Pentecostal. If the only time that you can get loud, clap your hands, dance, shout, whatever you want to call it, if the only time that you can do it is when you feel it, you are yet to learn what a sacrifice of praise really is. we got to intentionally and purposefully and even sacrificially, that's what I'm talking about this morning, focus on God with our thanks. The Word of God instructs us to give thanks. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 34 said, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Can I get a witness to that this morning? His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 66 and verse 8, Let the whole world bless our God, watch this, and loudly sing His praises. I could preach there, but I won't. Psalms 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks unto him and praise his name. Can I tell you this morning, if you have done, if you have done something good for me and I am internally thankful for what you've done and I walk right past you this morning just thinking about, wow, I appreciate what Nicholas did for me and I don't express that, then he never knows. But listen, uh, if, I, if I am thankful, but I'm keeping thanks to myself instead of giving thanks, but if when I am in his presence, if I verbally express how thankful I am. The very act, listen to me this morning, I'm about to teach you something if you didn't learn this. The very act of giving thanks instead of keeping it causes you, the recipient, to realize my thankfulness and appreciation for what you have done for me. And therefore, guess what you are? You are much more likely to focus your attention on my needs because of my gratefulness, because my gratefulness and my thankfulness attracts your willingness to do something else on my behalf. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? That's the way God is. You want to mobilize God in a situation. Why don't you try just one time. Try giving him the thanks and the praise he's worthy of. <laughs> giving thanks is the means by which we are to enter into his presence. Can I ask you this morning, how different would church look if we entered his gates with thanksgiving? How different would worship appear if we intentionally entered his gates with thanks and we came into his courts with praise?
Now, you can worship God without opening your mouth. But if you're going to praise Him, you got to open your mouth and let it out. What would church look like if everybody in the room, or as these kids say, everybody, if everybody in the room opened their mouth and gave praise to God? I'll tell you what it would do. Time after time in this word, you can read battle about battle after battle. And time and time again, when they began, the word will say, when they began to praise. Or when they began to be thankful. When they began to lift their voice. Then God stepped in. He fought the battle for Jehoshaphat. He he killed the giant for David. He did it time and time again in the Bible. If we just realize and recognize we had the ability to mobilize God with our praise. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 4 said, David appointed, now I want you to watch this. David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord. Why did he do this? Here's why he did it. To invoke his blessings. Whose blessings? God's blessings. So he led the people in worship before the ark of the Lord. Why? So he could invoke God's blessings to give thanks and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 8. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he's done. Some of y'all will never let the whole world know what he's done because you've never let us know you were thankful inside here. It's the truth. Somebody say, it's the truth, Pastor. 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13. The trumpeters and the singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They, here it is again, they raise their voices and praise the Lord with these words. He is good. He is faithful. His love endures forever. And at that moment, watch this, at that moment, A thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. You want to get into his presence tonight at 6 p.m.? This worship team and band is good. Does anybody want to get in his presence tonight at 6 p.m.? Y'all, anybody got something better to do? Let me know because we need to talk. Nothing better you can do than get in his presence. You want to get in his presence tonight at 6 p.m.? If you get in this place... And begin to worship with them while they sing. And begin to lift him up while they sing. Did you notice the word said, at that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. I'm not against haze machines. I know we use that here. That's okay with me. But you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see the presence of God come in like a cloud. You can visibly see in his house, in his presence. Psalm chapter 136 proclaims, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Give thanks to him who does mighty miracles. Anybody ever got a miracle before? I wish somebody would help me preach up in here. Give thanks to him who made the heavens. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights, the sun to rule the day and the moon and the stars to rule the night. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. Give thanks to him who struck down 
down mighty kings. Give thanks to him who remembered us in our weakness. Give thanks to him who saved us from our enemies. Give thanks to him. Give thanks to the God of heaven. The phrase itself, give thanks, appears in the King James Version of the Bible 48 times. Interestingly enough, it appears more than that in some other translations. It's pretty clear to me that we were created not to keep our thanks or hold it in, but to give our thanks and to give our worship and to offer a sacrifice of praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalm chapter 107 and verse 22. Let them offer sacrifices. Say that, sacrifices. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. I said something a few minutes ago about if the only time you can praise God is when you feel like it. Now let me say this. If you've never sacrificially worshipped or sacrificially praised, you walk into this house uh, like Erica Messer did. I don't know if she's working kids' church or she's still here. Erica, are you in here? She was here at 845. She's in kids' church working the 11. You can walk in here like Erica Messer did this morning. Got a diagnosis this week of thyroid cancer. But she's trusting God to heal her. You can walk in here. When you walk in like that and you lift up a praise to God, I can promise you that gets God's attention. When you can walk in here not knowing where your next dime is coming from, not having enough money to put food on the table at this moment, but you say, you know what, God? I'm going to write the tithe check anyway. I promise you, you'll get God's attention. When you can walk in here, I feel my helper this morning. When you can walk in here sick, tired in body, and you've been through a hell this week that nobody else knows about, but yet you get in the presence of God and lift up his name, I promise you, you will get God's attention. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Somebody says, I see some of y'all. What in the world was that? I'll tell you, it's called the Holy Ghost. And I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not afraid of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, listen, we need, we need more of not man's, hear me, hear me well right now. Not man's addition of the Holy Ghost. We need more of the authenticity of the Holy Ghost. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean the Holy Ghost will bear witness breast to breast. And we need it. Now, we have it in operation in this church. But I saw some of y'all look at me. It's okay. I ain't lost my mind. And somebody said, I got this after church one Sunday. Was that Spanish or French? I said, ask the Holy Ghost. Maybe he can tell you. But listen, we need the Holy Ghost in the church. This was not planned in my message, but how many people in here have ever received the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance? A lot of people in the room... Those of you that didn't lift your hands, listen, there's nothing wrong with you 
if you haven't, but there would be something really good if you would seek for the Lord to fill you too. I promise you it's not weird, it's not strange, and I had no intention of doing this, but can I take about three minutes and teach? Thank you, because if you'd have said no, I was going to do it anyway. I was raised Baptist, good, good Baptist, spirit-filled Baptist. There was nothing foreign about Pentecostal churches to me except two things, being slain in the spirit and speaking in tongues. Everything else was the same stuff we did. And there was nothing wrong with the way I was raised. As a matter of fact, my pastor growing up is still one of my favorite people today, and his daughter goes to church here. But I did experience when I was 16 years old, I used to think now, and I just need to share this for somebody, that Pentecostal people were crazy. I did. I thought they were crazy. I didn't understand it. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with them. I had, y'all might find this funny, I had nicknames for three or four of the people in the church. Why was you going to the church that was full of pretty girls? Hello. That's exactly why I started going to that church. I found my wife at that church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I thought people were crazy. But I can promise you, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost was when I sat down after, after I prayed in the altar of prayer on a Wednesday night, I sat down on the front row on this side of the building. And I sat there and... and I was hard toward that. I thought, I want to go here, but I will never act like these people. <laughs> if anybody's ever said that, look out. I said, I will never act like these people. And so I sat down on that front row over there, and I, the presence of the Lord fell on me, and I felt convicted. And I said, God, if this is really you, and I'm just telling you this so you can put him to the same test, if this is really you, and this is really real, and if you really want me to have it, give it to me. And can I tell you, when the Holy Ghost fell on me, I got a prayer language. You want to turn hell upside down? When you confuse the devil and he don't know what you're praying about, but yet you're praying in the Spirit, the Word says, with moanings and groanings that can't be uttered. When you're praying in your prayer language, you want to learn to get a hold of God. And this is free. It has nothing to do with the thanks message this morning. But I want to tell you something. The Holy Ghost is real. Your prayer language is real. And you need that in your life. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Says devote, and this is appropriate because I didn't plan to do this, but what's it talking about here? Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So thanksgiving should invade and be the underlying theme of our prayers. And Paul illustrates this posture perfectly. I want you to look at how he focused on God with thanks. And this is a small selection of the examples. One man has even called Paul the thankful apostle because of this. These are the ones that I didn't give them for the screen. I'm going to go through them quickly if you want to jot them down. Romans 6 and 17 said, God be thanked. This is Paul speaking. Romans 7 and 25 and 2 Timothy 1 and 3 both say, I thank God. There's a song we sing here about that. For 2 Corinthians 9 and 15, thanks be unto God. Colossians 1 and 3, we give thanks to God. Colossians 1 and 12, giving thanks unto the Father. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, 
We thank God without ceasing. 1 Timothy 1 and 12, I thank Jesus Christ my Lord. And then Philemon 1 and 4, I thank my God. Andre Crouch even wrote a song. Anybody know some of them old Andre songs? Andre Crouch wrote a song that the lyrics went like this. You may not know the beginning, but you'll know the chorus. How can I say thanks for the things you've done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. The voice of a million angels could never express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. Then he sung, to God be the glory. Anybody remember that? To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. With his blood, he saved me. With his power, he raised me. To God be the glory for the things he has done. We hear that sung and we agree. Listen, our praise, our thanks, our worship, our words should be focused on God with thanks. But when we say we're thankful to God, why say that we are thankful to God but we're practicing giving thanks to God? Listen, I want to challenge you this week. Take a moment, take some time, and actually and intentionally focus your thanks on God. We tend to think about in our minds just thanking Him and being thankful, but do we really stop long enough to verbally give Him thanks? And if you haven't done it already during the worship today, you've got a real good opportunity to give Him that thanks and praise tonight because we're going to come in here and worship a God that's worthy. Does anybody believe He's worthy? Give Him a hand of praise. And I'm going to wrap this one up quickly. Secondly, we need to focus thanks on people. It's not just enough now to focus our thanks and our focus on God with thanks unless we also focus thanks on people as well. God first and then people. Because when we are thankful to God, it's necessary to recognize, listen to me, that God works through, operates, and uses people to accomplish His mission and His plans. And people are God-assigned to bless us. Some are devil assigned to attack us. Can I get a witness? But some are God assigned to bless us, assist us. Some are assigned to challenge us. That's probably what this word is doing for some of us this morning. Some are assigned to serve us, and they deserve for us to express our thanks to them as well. The word tells us if we cannot love the people that we can see, how can we love a God we can't see? And I submit to you that likewise, we cannot claim to be thankful to God if we aren't also thankful to folks around us. I realize it's easier to thank God sometimes than it is to thank people, but out of the overflow of a grateful heart, we've got to focus our thanks on God and then on people. And we can go right back to the Apostle Paul as the prime model for this focused thanks. Some more scriptures I'm going to give you quickly. Everywhere that Paul labored with others in the gospel, we find him giving thanks. Romans 1 and 8, I thank my God for you all. 1 Corinthians 1 and 4, I thank my God always on your behalf. Ephesians 1 and 16, I cease not to give thanks for you. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2, we give thanks to God always for you. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3, we are bound to thank God always for you. And uh, uh, and then again in 2 
Thessalonians 2 and 13, he repeats it. We're bound to thank God always for you. So when we read these statements, I think we make a mistake if we read those statements as if he was only expressing thanks for those saints and those co-laborers that he was talking about. See, these were letters that Paul wrote, and they were written, they were stamped, they were delivered, and then they were read in a public setting to those congregants. And they're thank you notes of focused thanks and focused uh, praise and recognition for those people. He literally picked out individuals in these churches and gave thanks to them. And he knows that these thanksgiving notes were going to be read in a public setting, and people that were sitting there that were getting thanked, it would put a smile on their face. And they would realize what they're doing is worth it. Are you with me? We're bad in the church sometimes for not encouraging people that, hey, I appreciate you for what you're doing. We're bad, we're bad to practice thanksgiving, and then we don't acknowledge those people. And if we're not careful, we make a dangerous and a destructive assumption when it comes to people who do things that warrant thanks. We think, oh, they know they're appreciated. So we keep the thanks to ourselves. Or this is a bad one, but it happens. I've heard it. Oh, they're expected to do that. That's their job. That's what they do. When I was growing up in that Baptist church I was telling you about, we had a big sign on the wall that hung up actually over the cross, and it said, if everybody in this church was just like me, what kind of church would this church be? We need to think about that. We underestimate the power of thanks. And if thankfulness impacts and mobilizes God, thankfulness impacts and mobilizes other people. And I want to share, y'all can go ahead and come to the music. I want to share something with you this morning. If you're going through marital problems, relationship problems, when you express thanksgiving to other people, a spouse will spouse better. Are you with me? A boss will boss better. Trust me. Here's a big one for church folk. The server at the restaurant, if we'd express some thankfulness to the fact that they're willing to do that job, they'd serve better. But I'm afraid a lot of times we're a whole lot better at complaining than we are at giving thanks. But that's not the people that God's called us to be. When we fail to act on that and we withhold when we do that, we withhold the very fuel that people need to propel them into action and to do what needs to be done. And just as intentionally as we thank God, we need to stop and thank people. And with that said, I told you this message was going to be different. I'm almost finished this morning. But I want every single one of you, every single one of you to know how very thankful I am for each of you. This church would not be the same without you. You are important. You are valued. You are needed. Somebody says, Pastor, I don't do anything except come to church. It blesses me to see you here. And you're loved. I can tell you one thing about this church. It's a very loving church. Anybody else ever feel that love when you came through the door? 
It's a loving church. And I want every single one of you to know you're a blessing to me and my family, but you're also a blessing to the kingdom of God. I'm thankful that you're here, but I'll tell you something else I'm thankful for. I'm thankful to be a part of a Bible-believing, faith-building, life-changing church of the living God. Is anybody else thankful for that this morning? I'm thankful to be a part of a church that's committed to building the kingdom one soul at a time. I'm satisfied to see one pray every weekend, but I'm ecstatic when I see seven or eight. And God is doing that. You hear me well. It's nothing that I'm doing other than being obedient. It's nothing that they're doing other than being obedient. God is doing it. And we ought to thank Him. We ought to praise Him. I want to give thanks to God this morning, but I also want to give thanks to you. Because God has been and is good to us, all of us. He's good to us. You say, Pastor, you don't even know what's going on in my life. I may not. But can I tell you that if you woke up in a warm house this morning and you had clothes to put on your back, Shoes to put on your feet. Food to eat if you wanted it. A vehicle to get here in. You had the health and the sense to get up and dress yourself and get ready. And if you are saved and God has pulled your soul from the miry pit, you've got everything to give thanks for. I said you've got everything. You ought to lift up a shout of praise and a shout of thanks to a God that's worthy this morning. Oh, hallelujah. He's worthy. If you'll stand with me all over this room. Hallelujah. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be seated here today and you may say, Pastor, I hear this message. But I don't even know if I went out into eternity today. I am not certain beyond the shadow of a doubt that I would make heaven my home with nobody looking around. If that's you, I'm just not positive, preacher. Would you just slip your hand up and put it back down all over this room right now? Thank you for that hand. Yes, thank you for that hand. Thank you. Yes, anybody else? I saw at least four or five hands. Anybody else? I'm just not positive. Listen, I want to tell you something this morning. You can be sure before you leave here today. Let me say that again. I said you can be sure and certain before you leave here today. Salvation is not a hard thing. There's one difference between you and the people around you who did not lift their hands, and that was one decision. All you got to do is make the decision to follow and accept Jesus. And there's a room full of people here today that will testify with me to you. Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. There's no better time to make it than today. So if that's you, don't leave here today without him. Come to this altar, and I promise you, somebody will meet you here to pray. And you can leave here certain, and you can leave here knowing. Now, I want to say this, because our church is 
several percent new converts. You can look at me right now. Several percent new converts are people that have rededicated their lives to the Lord. And so this is one of the things that I need to teach through because I've been dealing with it some. You don't have to get saved every time you make a mistake. As a matter of fact, you don't get saved over and over and over and over and over and over again. You can backslide, yes. But the Bible says if you have invited Jesus into your heart, if you've prayed that prayer of salvation and you have been saved and accepted Him, John said in 1 John, he said, little children, he's talking to the children of God. That's, what he, that's why he called them little children. Little children, I command you to sin not. But if you do, anybody thankful for the but if you do? Everybody except the holy self-righteous people were, right? I need the but if you do every now and then. I battle with road rage. Can I get a witness? That's funny, I know, but we all make mistakes and need His grace and mercy. And He says, but if you do, you, those of you that have been saved, you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Get that. It's because we're not the righteous ones. He's the righteous one. So don't feel so guilty about not being righteous. Just make sure you get the prayer right. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins. He'll be the propitiation every single time you mess up until you make it to glory, as long as you confess it to Him and ask Him to forgive you. So I said that to say, Maybe it's not that you're in a place that you have to rededicate your life. If you do, come on, that's what we want. But maybe you just need to kneel and say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up, forgive me. And His Word promises us He'll do just that. So I want us to do something different today. They're going to sing, and I want us, and I don't want anybody to run off early. You say, gosh, it's already 1237. Well, you've got at least 23 minutes before 1 o'clock. Don't run off early. I want us to do two things. I want us to, first of all, you can do it at your seat. I want you to fill this altar, all that will and that are able. And while they sing, I want you to forget about everybody and everything else around you and focus some thanks on God and what He's done for you in your life. And then when you get done, I want you to find somebody in this room. Come on, all over the room. Thank you. And then when you're done, I want you to find somebody in this room and focus some thanks on on them. Now listen, if you can look around in a room this size and you can't find somebody to thank for something, the problem is with you. The problem's right here. Let's focus some thanks on God and then let's focus some thanks on some people this morning.